again, my name is Joe, and I have the honor and privilege of being the Buellton Campus Pastor here at Crossroads, and I'm excited to wrap up our series that we've been in the last few weeks called The Church, and uh, we've been hearing um, from Pastor Sam and Pastor Tyler about the church and who we are as the church, and maybe you're like, oh, this is my church. Uh, Well, there is the church, and it's called the Church of Jesus Christ, and so if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you are a part of his church, no matter what name might be on the outside of the building, um, Jesus is the reason for the church, and it's his church. In fact, Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning, particularly around the glory of the church, the glory of the church. And so before we get started, you're going to need a Bible. So if you don't have a Bible, we actually have one for you. Um, you can either do that through your, uh, feel free to use your mobile device, your or whatever you got going on there. The YouVersion Bible app is awesome, but if you don't have a Bible, just slip your hand in there and somebody in the back will get one to you. Uh, we just want to make sure that you're able to follow along. And today we're going to be in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. Very famous letter from the Apostle Paul, the book of Ephesians. And we're going to be talking about wrapping up this series, The Glory of the Church. And a few weeks back, uh, Pastor uh, Tyler kicked off our series with really talking about the gathering of the church, the ecclesia of the, chur- of the church. And Pastor Sam talked about gifts and generosity of the church. And then last week, uh, Pastor Tyler did a great job talking about the growth of the church and how we've arrived to this destination where we're currently at in current history of the church. And here we are this morning talking about the glory of the church. And I want to begin... In the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 3 all the way to verse 14. You can say amen if you're there. Don't be shy. Amen. Let's read. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. Say glorious grace. Glorious grace. We're going to talk a lot about that this morning. With which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to the purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things on heaven and things on earth. Verse 11, In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also... When you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed in the promised spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The glory of the church this morning. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for moments like these that we can gather and share in your goodness and look at scripture, look at these texts, look at these letters inspired by your spirit, that we might see you clearer. Father, we ask that in in accordance with your will this morning, that we might see you and only you and nothing else this morning. No matter who's on stage with a microphone and a weird hat, 
Father, we just ask that in your sovereign will this morning that we would see you in your grace and your glory for who you truly are in Jesus' name. Amen. So I got to get something off my chest. It's been on my mind for a long time, and I have a confession to make. These are my confessions. Usher's not your jam. <laughs> Maybe Foo Fighters. I got it. Anyways, um, I've got a confession to make. For my 30th birthday, me and my best friend Ryan from Ojai, we went to Las Vegas. It's not all my fault because my wife said it was okay for me to go. I already feel better just taking a deep breath and getting that that off my chest. Ended up in Vegas for my 30th birthday with a good friend of mine, and and we were chilling and hanging out, and we had the the biggest steak you could possibly imagine from Gordon Ramsay's Steakhouse in Las Vegas. If you've never been, be prepared to pay a lot of money for a giant piece of meat. Anyway, it was awesome, and we're walking back to our hotel room. We've totally gluttoned ourselves, and we're literally rolling down the strip because we're so full, and we come across this entourage. And lo and behold, there's cameras. They're filming a reality TV show. Ever heard of it called Jersey Shore? Jersey Shore. I'm going to tell you about the time I almost ended up on an episode of Jersey Shore. So we come across the entourage, and um, there's literally like dozens of people just following. They've got bodyguards, um, like big Guido dudes, like bodyguards, like that, the whole scene, right? And everybody's got their role, and there's, you know, there's all all the girls in their dresses, and then there's the main guy and all his buddies and the the bodyguards, and then there's the paparazzi that's chasing them, and then there's everybody that's clear filming for the show. And so me and my buddy Ryan were like, let's just blend in. <laughs> let's just get it. Let's just get in there. And so they start to try to get into this restaurant on the strip. But I don't know, maybe it'd been a, it might have been a nightclub. I'm not sure where we were trying to get into. But so we just tried to blend in with the entourage. And we're just like, okay, we're just going in. We were nicely dressed because we were at a nice restaurant. Maybe we'll fit in. So we try to get into the, the restaurant or the club we were trying to get into. And we were quickly greeted at the door with a giant arm like, no, you're not with the group. So get out of here, buddy. And so they were kind of nice about it. I'm sure they're used to people trying to butt in on the entourage. But it was the weird thing, like in real life, you see stuff on TV like this all the time, right? You're just like, oh man, how cool would that be? You know, of course, we'd, we'd had dinner and we were getting back to our hotel, hotel room and it was late at night. We we're just like, what the heck? Let's give it a shot. And what was impressed upon me about this entourage is that everybody kind of had their little role. You know what I mean? When I think about like, like entourages or like celebrity or like presidents, kings and like monarchy, like there's, there's always bodyguards, like there's a secret service and, and there's, there's all this other stuff. There's like bulletproof, you know, G-wagons and, and planes and trains and throughout human history, you can imagine like what an what a old king's court or a queen's court might have been like. There was like a jester for entertainment. And then there's the court, there's generals, and then there's, there's maids and there's butlers, there's all these things. And, there's, and it's just, it was just such a trip for me to experience this and almost try to blend in with it. It was like being a part of the entourage was... Um, clearly not my role that day. And when we think about glory and when we think about fame and celebrity in the world, what, what we, we automatically associate all these types of things together um, uh, like I experienced on the Las Vegas Strip that day, almost ending up on TV. 
I was trying to get on camera. It didn't really work out. I tried to go back and watch episodes, and I wasn't on TV. Another story, true story, about another time in Vegas. I did end up on TV, but that is a story for another day. The world thinks glory is about notoriety, fame, celebrity, things, mansions, cars, boats, yachts. I'm a boat guy. I do not have a yacht. I have a 19-foot boat. Right? But the church... We go, no, 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 that's the world. That's not us. We're much more morally superior than that, don't we? We go, no, we meet in you know, a classic white church uh, with a steeple and the white picket fence around it. Like it's this wholesome kind of Americanized version of the church. We go, we're morally superior. Um, everybody's got their Sunday best on. Everybody's got their, everybody's got their stuff together. We've got beautiful music. We've got eloquent preachers. We've got meal ministry. We've got homeless ministry. We've got all these things that make us seem like we're glorious and that the church is famous for. But actually, the church today and throughout church history for the last two millennia looks a lot more like this. We're dropping into the wave. Everything is great. We're tucking into the barrel and then pow! We're so sure of ourselves as the church. And this is the history and the story of the church over and over and over and over again. We're so confident. We're so sure. And then you just, with videos like this, these kook slams they're called, you just can't stop watching it over and over and over again. And it brings us so much joy because we're not the kook that got slammed in the pit. Anyways, you can take that off the screen. It's distracting. This is what the history of the church looks like. This is what the glory of the church looks like. A kook slam in real time, on repeat, for the whole world to see. Don't be fooled by all the makeup and the dress of the church. All the things that the church does and engages in that are good, they're good things. By his grace, they're good. Don't be fooled. The Apostle Paul says in Romans, no one is good, no, not one. All have fallen short of the what? We gotta do a better job. All have fallen short of the glory, of glory of God. Not the perfection of God. Not just the standards of God. The glory of God. What is this Glory. Here's what we can say after reading just this first portion of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. We can say that emphatically, based on what we've just read in this text, that we were first to hope in Christ, might, that, 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 that in Christ might be to the praise of his glory, that according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, Paul lists all these things, that what, what we can say emphatically about God is that God is for God, not just you. God is for God, not just you. We can say that emphatically. And as we look at this text, what we, what we can discover and that Paul is making this case is, is that, that he's, he says, Jesus has done all of these things. He's predestined you from the beginning of time. He knew that there would be a moment in your life where you would believe that you'd be transformed by his grace. That's why his grace is glorious. And then he says, the purpose of all that, the purpose of your predestination, the purpose of you um, being uh, um, adopted into the, the grace and favor of God, even though you don't deserve it, 
Why? For his glory. It sounds a lot like Psalms 23. If you're familiar with Psalms 23, it says, He leads me into paths of righteousness for his namesake. His namesake. Not, not just for your own good, but it's as if God is so for God that he would lead you into a path of righteousness, not just for your good, but ultimately that he would get glory because his glory results in your good. We write things like that on the wall in case you've never noticed. For his glory and the good of the valley. God gets the glory for everything that he can accomplish in your life, predestining you for adoption into the family of God, redeeming you and forgiving you of your sin, and promising you the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. All to the praise of his glorious grace for his glory and the good of everyone around you. God is for God. In his sovereign will, the Apostle Paul says, in his counsel, he's predestined it for his church to be this way, redeemed, forgiven, led by his spirit, all for his glory. He gets the glory and we get the good of knowing him and following him, being adopted by him, being forgiven by him. And his glory becomes our glory. You see, glory has weight to it. There's a burden associated with glory. You ever talk to famous people or people who, um, um, who have a lot of a big following a lot of, uh, or leading a lot of people? Maybe, maybe, maybe you're a leader and you've got a big company or, or something like that. There's a weight to that. It's tangible in our hearts and in our spirits and just how we experience life. There's a density to glory that can't be ignored. There's a weight to it. If you've ever been to Yosemite Valley... If you ever come from the Southern Gate up Highway 41 through, from Fresno through Oakhurst over through Fish Camp, and I've, I've been there many times, there's this famous picture. And many of you, have, if you have Mac OS, you have this picture of like Yosemite Valley on your, you never changed it. It just came installed that way. This famous picture of Yosemite Valley, as you look down, there's probably snow on top of Half Dome off to the right. And then there's this massive granite rock off to the left called El Capitan. All the famous climbers of the world have climbed this rock and Half Dome. There's lots of movies and stuff out on Netflix about this crazy place. And what makes this valley so attractional is, is once you make your way down into the valley floor, it's a very small geographical area. It's very, very small. You can, you can hit all the sites in one day. But you cannot ignore the majesty of these rocks. It's really difficult as a human being, if you have eyes to see and you're not blind, to not look up. Glory has a weight and a beauty and a density that just can't be ignored. El Cap and, 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 and Half Dome, they, they're so attractional, it's very difficult when you're standing there to look at anything else. And the church and all of its fame and glory and history over the years and failures and victories, it's got a problem. When you look at the church and its history and the mistakes and the victories and all that stuff, it really looks more like a train wreck when you think about it. This is the, this is the, the, the church we're talking about. And for those of us who've been following Jesus for a while now, we can understand this very clearly because we all look in the mirror every morning and we brush our teeth. And I sincerely hope that you do. 
We see what only we can see. We see ourselves for who we really are. And we can't separate our individual lives from the ecclesia, the gathering, the living, breathing entity that is the church in our imperfection, in our non-glory. <laughs> because when you look at the church and all of the, the trouble and the problems and the, and the stuff and the history, it's because of people like you and me. I mean, have you seen us? Have you seen our lives? Oh, to be a fly on the wall in my life. <laughs> We're all a bunch of real life kook slams like that video on repeat for the whole world to see. That's who we are. And yet because of his glorious grace, he predestined us to be here in this moment right now. He predestined us to know the glory of his grace and out of the overflow of the goodness of God, out of, the, out, of that, out of that fullness that we've experienced to God, that praise would begin to flow and permeate from our lives. For the whole world to see in us and through us. He predestined us. He adopted us into his family. He's forgiven us. He's blessed us with a spirit to lead us and guide us into all truth from now until eternity. This is what he's done through his grace. And when you think about what it means to live fully in this understanding that the glory that I can obtain in my life is a joke compared to what the glory of Christ, it changes the way we view the church. It changes our understanding about what this glorious church is. You begin to understand that God takes broken, messed up, guilty people from the dirt and makes us his trophy. He makes us his trophy? We're a piece of macaroni art. You ever get macaroni art from your kids? It's like, wow, that's, that's cute. It's got like spray paint on it. It's like, can't even eat it now. <laughs> We're macaroni art. And it's like, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he goes, <laughs> look at my kids. Look at my kids' macaroni art. Isn't it great? This is the glory of the church, that he's taken broken, shattered pieces, us, our lives, our families, our history, our heritage, our traditions, and he's woven it all together like a mosaic. Broken pieces and put them together. Well, Pastor Joe, I wouldn't have built the church this way I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have had that idea. I would have made something more glorious. There would have been a lot more gold everywhere. I wouldn't have done it this way. That's what makes what God has done in the church so glorious, to the praise of his glorious grace. How could we ignore the Christmas season? 
the victorious King Jesus begins as a baby, a poor baby, born out of wedlock. Many of us have the same story as Jesus. And the greatest comeback story of all time, Jesus goes to the cross to bear our sin and our shame and doesn't stay dead, but rises on the third day, and that changes the reality of what true love looks like. He takes broken, messed up people. People from the dirt. You know, remember the story way back in Genesis, like the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, and, and God created, you remember the story? He created everything from nothing. And then when he gets to humanity, he, what did he make Adam out of? The dirt. The word Adam, Adam, literally translates to dirt man. Jesus, God, the Father, creator of heaven and earth and the universe, has been creating, has been making things out of dirt from the very beginning. He's been making us into his trophy, and we're dirt. You want to know what the church really looks like? It looks more like a mud pie with macaroni art sprinkled around it. It's beautiful. Look at it. It's messy. It's messed up. And Jesus goes, these are my kids. You know, like when I get home from work and stuff, I got two little kids. I have my own little entourage. I got my wife, and she's pretty. And, and then I got my two little kids. They just think I'm the, the best thing ever. Like when dad gets home, it's like, party, dad's home. My little entourage. I'm like a celebrity in my own home. It's great. You should try it. Have children. God, the Father, has been redeeming all of our failures and our weaknesses. It's like, my kids don't understand yet that I'm not perfect. When I let my seven-year-old son down, sometimes he just, he can't fathom why I would forget what I said or like, oh, I promised him this for that. And it's just like, ah, oh, I totally forgot. Like, in his, in his mind, he's just like, how could you, how could you? But that's who we all are. We're all dropping into a wave and we think we're good and then the lip just takes us right out. Because we're not perfect. Because we have fallen short. And this garden, this Eden, this dirt man, it's like a, it's a metaphor for each and every single one of us. He's been making his church, he's been building his church with dirt from the very beginning. This is the glorious grace of Jesus. This is the glory of the church. You may figure it out right by now, partway through this message, that the, the glory of the church is really in disguise. The real glory of the church is actually Christ's glory. It's not our glory at all. And think about the Eden, the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, if you remember the story. They were never meant to bear the weight, the density, the weightiness of true glory. In fact, that was their weakness. That was the thing that tripped them up. They had everything, if you remember the story. 
They had everything they could possibly need. In fact, the story even says that they walked with God daily. They were so close with God the Father. How could they possibly go against the glorious grace and nature and provider that is God who created this paradise, unadulterated paradise just for them and the animals and everything they could possibly need? How could they go against that? You ever get yourself into a predicament? You're just like, man, I should not have done that. Because now the weight of what you have to bear, the weight of glory and fame and celebrity and notoriety and trying to unknow what you can't unknow, that was their predicament, and they were never intended to bear that weight. They were created for God's glory. They would genuinely, authentically know him and love him for simply how good he is. They were created to enjoy God forever. The very famous church tradition, the Westminster Catechism says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. It says chief end, like one end. It doesn't say ends. We're always about options in life, aren't we? But the chief end, not plural, not, not to, not, not glorify God and ourselves, but the end, the purpose of humanity in the Garden of Eden and what God has been redeeming for us ever since has been for us to glorify him for who he really is, to the praise of his glorious grace that, and that in our lives the fullness of what he's done would overflow from our lives back to him in authentic relationship and worship and enjoy him forever. That's the glory of the church. The glory of the church is the glory of Christ and all that he's done. What does the glory of Christ look like? Well, the Apostle Paul says it this way in Corinthians chapter 5. He says that he, he that knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's what Christ's glory is. He became macaroni art on a cross, a symbol of Roman execution, something that no one in the world at the time would ever associate with glory. He was associated as a criminal. He was associated as a scoundrel. This is Christ's glory. On our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. You see, Jesus gave up his glory. He gave up his rightful throne so that his exaltation would come through his execution. Making sinners into saints. This is the comeback story of our God, of our Savior. It's the comeback story of the church. It's your story. It's my story. Sinners into saints through the redemption of his blood. To the praise of his glory. That is a weighty thing. That is a weight that we cannot bear. There's only one. His name's Jesus, and that's what makes him worthy. The Gloria, the glory of the Ecclesia, 
the church is that we get to be his trophy, no matter how ugly and broken and beat up we are, no matter how, no matter how many times we kook slam on the wave. We get to be his trophy. He gets the glory. We get the good to the praise of his glorious grace. And that changes things for us. As believers, as the church, it changes the way we see the world. It changes the way we interact with everybody. Because it's impossible not to observe, to survey the landscape of our broken lives and not see the glory of Jesus. Do you know him? Maybe you don't remember the story. The Apostle Paul says here that blessed be God our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Remember Eden? They had everything they needed. And since then, God's been restoring and redeeming all of it. Blessing. He chose us before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. You know what? When we look in the mirror, we know we're not holy and blameless, but Jesus makes us holy and blameless because of what he's done. This is our story, church, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. We have in him redemption through his blood. This is your story. Insert your name into the story. Insert Crossroads Church into the story. The church of Jesus Christ is glorious. Not because you're awesome. Because he's awesome. This is our story. For 2,000 years now, Jesus has been building his church and the gates of hell have not prevailed against it. Pastor Joe, I've seen all the YouTube videos. I know the church history. What about the Crusades? What about the burnings at the stake? What about the megachurch pastor who cheated on his wife? And the next one, and the next one. The list goes on and on. Pastor Joe, what about all of that? Yeah. Jesus goes, this is my church. trophy. I died for it. I'm redeeming it from the dirt and the dust of the ashes of their broken lives. Isn't it glorious? Isn't it glorious? My trophy. Other places in scripture describes the church as a bride. I just picture the bride having a lot of stains on the dress, hair everywhere. That's who we are. And it's beautiful and glorious because God is redeeming all of it. And one day, when it's all said and done, when we see him face to face, the scripture says we don't know what it will be like, but we know that we'll be like him. to the praise of his glorious grace, 
the weight of such things. We cannot begin to imagine the cost. We don't deserve, and we certainly could not have earned, but he gives it freely. And he says, this is my church. This is my macaroni art, man. You're not taking my macaroni art away. Parents in the room, you've got tubs of macaroni art in your garage, and you know it. This is the glorious grace of Jesus, and we live as his church because of him. Our glory is not our own. It's not about our perfection and our ministries and our preachers and our stuff and like it's his glorious grace this favor this adoption this redemption that we can't look away from and we can't walk away from will you pray with me Jesus we thank you that we get to be your trophy we get to be something that represents you because you're the only one worthy of glory. And when we put things into their proper perspective because of your scriptures, because of the story and the renown of you, Jesus, it changes the way we live. And through your spirit, And through the gathering, the ecclesia of the church, we're reminded frequently, often, of just how good you are and how good we're not. That's what makes us beautiful. We have a proper perspective because of all that you are and all that you have done. So we praise you and we honor you today. We thank you for these words. Would you seal them in our hearts? Remind us again of your glorious grace all for your glory and the good of this valley. In Jesus' name, amen, church. Amen. Will you stand at your feet and give God praise one more time this morning?